It's a hump day party song. Turn up them speakers and sing along. That's me adjusting the mic. Hi, Greg. Good morning, Brad. <laughs> probably should have done that before I turned the microphone on, but yeah, whatever. It's probably a good idea. We'll do that next time. <laughs> Things we learn for Thursday. Yeah. Uh, did you go for any walks recently? <laughs> oh, uh, yes, actually. My dogs are getting just absolutely filthy dirty. On the streets, we're dog sitting right now, and so now I got two. One's really yappy, and it's not mine. What kind of dog is it? It's a Schnauzer. Oh my God, he's a baby. It's my mother and father in law's dog, and my father in law's like six foot four, big, rugged Dutchman who commands horses with his voice, and he's got this big <laughs> sucky dog. I just, I, 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 it's tiny. It's just a big suck. I can't believe. Can't Hang believe on. it. I'm shocked. What kind of dog do you have? I have a Shih Tzu, and she is she is not a suck. This, it's a little dog. It's isn't a it? little dog. Yeah, and you're she, a big guy. Yeah, I know, but that, I can't believe that this Schnauzer he whines and he's all oh, so needy and no, please pet me, please adore me. Oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, some dogs are uh, are high maintenance, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. high maintenance. Perfect word for it, Brett McGarry. Perfect word for it. But yeah. I digress. Speaking of high maintenance, yep. sidewalks in Winnipeg. I mentioned that yesterday morning on my way into work, I noticed that crews were removing the giant snowbanks on Portage Avenue, plowing them into the street, and then collecting them and hauling the snow away. Noticed them on uh, many of the side streets as well, the north-south one-ways. They were doing the very same thing overnight last night or in the last few hours. So that's good news. Well, I mean, it's been over a week since Manitoba was hit with that snowstorm. City responsible, as we've mentioned before, clearing nearly 3,000 kilometers of sidewalks. Progress has been slow, though, and in the last week, there have been 145 complaints about those sidewalks, leaving a commute that is, for some, downright dangerous because we were talking about how, first, there were problems with the snow that's piled up. Well, now there are more problems, as Global's Amber McGookin explains. Navigating sidewalks covered in ice is more challenging when you have trouble walking. And I'm walking with canes that have got pick, picks on them, and they are, you know, they still aren't good enough uh, for managing. Dorothy Wigmore had surgery last year, and the icy sidewalks have her worried. It'd be nice if there was more sand and less ice. The city says crews started working on the sidewalks as soon as the snow started falling last Monday, but they're still cleaning. We've made one pass through the entire sidewalk network now and what we're doing is because uh, of the heavy amounts of snow that we received there are a number of sidewalk deficiencies that need to be addressed. But these pedestrians believe more needs to be done to make sidewalks safer. Like I walk an hour a day and I will see somebody fall every day. That was a problem like I would might slip from there and might have twist my foot. But it's even more difficult for people with crutches. I mean, yes, there is a sand, but actually it doesn't, you know, it doesn't help because it's still icy underneath, right? So, I mean, you're walking and you can slip pretty fast. The city says they'll be continuing with clearing and sanding sidewalks for the rest of the week. 
Amber McGookin, Global News. Now you heard the voice of Dorothy Wigmore in that story, but you couldn't see her. And what you see, if you go to globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg to watch the uh, the 6 o'clock newscast from last night, you'll see Dorothy using two of those canes. They both got have picks on them. Right. And she has some fairly uh, industrial-looking winter boots, and she's just, just tiptoeing almost because she's walking on a sheet of ice. And I realize that's... Not this. I don't blame the city for for the weather, the weather, and what happened. The consequences of a heavy, wet snow as we move into March. I just noticed yesterday when I went out for a walk, there were some spots where I had to really slow down because I was marching along at my typical brisk pace, and then I slipped. I was able to stay on my feet, thank God. But yeah, it was it's treacherous out there. So for the for I'm able bodied and can maneuver, but Dorothy has those canes. We, there was another woman in there who was on crutches. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a tough go for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, and uh, we're not, like you say, we're not blaming the city for the weather, uh, but part of the, the job of the city and maintenance and street crews is to respond to the weather. Remember when we had the all the bridges in Winnipeg shut down last fall? Yes. Because we had that sudden freeze, yep. Uh, people were up in arms, right? Uh, how come the city didn't predict this? How come we weren't out salting and sanding ahead of time? How come there weren't any preemptive measures? And then when it comes to pedestrians, right? We just got a text message while we're talking about this. Ah, quit whining and crying about the, you know, about the the sidewalks. Well, that's how a lot of people get around. Is they get around by bus? They get around on foot. And so it is a big deal, and it's a big deal for a lot of people. And in the downtown, once again, where we're already begging people to come down and spend their money, it's another reason for people to go to a shopping mall. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Yep, absolutely. The polo, the, the <laughs> It's weird coming into work and not seeing a plow in our lot. It could there could be a just a dusting, like like just a sneeze of snow. And there'd be plows in the Polo Park parking lot. The the lot is always immaculate. They're always working hard. And it's a safer place to go because the lot's clear. That's the mandate. That's Even when it, in the day that it was snowing, when it was still snowing and dumping snow, they were out there clearing at least a path for you to walk. And what's the word? Customer service. Yep. Because they have customers they need to take care of. Otherwise, they know people are going to stay away. We have to start running the city in the same fashion. It's customer service, and we pay a lot of money for this service every single year. And uh, we had, a, I, I was mentioning uh, yesterday, you have to complain, right? 311. You have to be heard. Got a text message immediately. I thought I was the only one that called 3-1. No, it's you and me, listener. <laughs> I, know, I know there's lots of people out there. And uh, you know what? Just just demand value for your money. That's, that's all you can do. And if you see something that isn't uh, right, you got to be hurt. Exploitation doesn't care what race, color, creed you are. All it cares about is if it can get you. The reality of child sexual exploitation, a four-part Global News special series. It is a series put together by Global News Morning anchor Shannon Kuzes, who has been working hard in the series for months now. And you can get all of the stories as they are produced at globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg and cjob.com. She's here to tell us this morning about part two, which is airing today. Well, we're taking Manitobans behind the scenes with the Winnipeg police 
Counter-Exploitation Unit. Now, this unit was announced back in 2013, and at the time, the proposal involved a new philosophy for police, where they'd move away from targeting sex trade workers and concentrate their enforcement efforts on targeting offenders. Now, this involves creating a safer environment for sex trade workers by building trusting relationships between police, sex trade workers, and the community. Here's what Inspector Kelly Dennison from Winnipeg Police had to say about some of the children they're working with. There's not a child I've met that woke up in the morning and decided, you know what, I want to be exploited and I'm going to use drugs. They didn't put themselves in that situation. They find themselves in that situation. It's to no fault of their own that they are in care and that they are in a foster or group home. That's not, that's not on them. So their circumstances are what they're living with. So it's incumbent upon us as police service and all of the partner agencies to work with those kids to find the programs that they need so that they're not on our streets, they're not being exploited, and they're not involved in drugs. It's not the kid's fault. Now, I can only imagine the concern around online interaction, Shannon. Uh, parents are concerned about what happens online uh, at the best of times, uh, never mind connected with exploitation and sex trade workers. Online exploitation is a huge crisis right now. Perpetrators are targeting child victims at an unbelievable pace, meaning Police and the Canadian Centre for Child Protection are really ramping up their efforts to prevent this from happening. Here's what Christy Dikowitz from the CCCP's call for people to take more action when they see something that just doesn't look right. I really do want someone to step in if they see some risky behavior, if they see something concerning. I know that's how our kids are going to make it through is by us all being invested in carrying that. So I think... Um, really being vocal as a community to say we're okay with it if you raise a red flag and maybe you're wrong that's okay I'd rather you be wrong and raise a concern and we can check it out um, than for all of us to miss something because we're all afraid of overstepping. Shannon what should someone do if they see a problem? Well they should call police immediately or a community agency they're familiar with, the Canadian Centre for Child Protection, also a great resource. And if you see something that looks off online, report it to cybertip.ca. That is run by the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. Now here's Inspector Dennison from Winnipeg Police. Global News Morning anchor Shannon Kuzis, who has put together a four-part series called The Reality of Child Sexual Exploitation. More on these stories at globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg and cjob.com. 6.39 on this Wednesday morning. And, of course, the top story of the new, uh, in the news today is the passing of Stephen Hawking at the age of 76. VLHC. Stephen Hawking will be remembered as a genius who did not let his disease stop him. I have had ALS for practically all my adult life, yet it has not prevented me from having a very attractive family and being successful in my work. Hawking has been compared to Albert Einstein and Isaac Newton. His best-selling book, A Brief History of Time, tackles black holes and the Big Bang Theory, subjects he spent his life exploring. In 2004, he conceded a mistake on black holes. Instead of destroying everything that falls into them, he found they do allow critical information to get out. So we can be sure of the past, and we can predict the future. Hawking was born in 1942. Early on, he displayed a love of science. In his early 20s, already a physics phenom at Cambridge University, 
Hawking was first diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. But Hawking said that physics can take one beyond one's physical limitations. He certainly took science beyond the classroom and into popular culture, even appearing on television shows such as The Simpsons. If you are looking for trouble, you found it. Yeah, just try me, you... His spirit of adventure also led him to accept an offer to experience weightlessness. It was amazing. Asked many times if his disability held him back, Hawking simply said it gave him more time to think. For the world of science, it wasn't time enough. Gloria Riviera, ABC News. What an incredible perspective. His disability gave him more time to think. Wow. Stephen Hawking passing at 76. And I think it's a lot like Gord Downey. When Gord Downey passed away, you knew the day would come. You knew it would come sooner than later. It was supposed to come much sooner than later for Stephen Hawking. But when I heard the news in the middle of the night, probably around 2 o'clock this morning, I was, uh, I was still surprised. I was still shocked and, uh, and saddened to know that we've uh, lost a brilliant mind like Stephen Hawking. And the, the day uh, is rather unusual as he died the day before Pi Day, what's known as Pi Day. Right. Uh, pi, of course, the number 3.14, One's whatever. Blah, blah, reoccurring until forever, right? Yeah. It's there a, is no end. It's the, the number for the, the circle. I should. <laughs> it's the number for the circle. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah, I'm, the that's number my, for the circle. That's thing. my super scientific uh, explanation. I think you and I probably the only time we used pi was when we were doing pi r squared to determine the area of a circle. But I, I think it has more applications than that. I'm yeah. not certain. I'm just guessing. Yeah. Well, no, that was my, no. I think uh, that's the official scientific mathematical explanation. The circle. The, thing. the, the circle thing. Yeah. All right, little spelling and a little math lesson all in once here. It's Pi Day, P-I. And irrational number enthusiasts around the world are celebrating the mathematical constant by performing experiments and, of course, eating lots of pi, P-I-E. The number pi, which is approximately 3.14, and then reoccurring into infinity, is celebrated annually on March 14th because, of course, it's the 14th day of the third month. Today we're having coffee, talking about our favorite pies, but I see absolutely no one brought any pie to the table this morning. Where did this communication fall down? I was Channel actually Vidal? going to bring pie, because my, my friend is a baker and she's do it. she does like a pie day special, but they won't be available until later on today. So we'll have pie tomorrow is what you're saying. If you're good. It's a, it's a whiskey apple she's offering Come today. Come on. Ooh. Yeah. That nice. sounds yummy. Mm. What is your favorite... Uh, what is your favorite choice of oh, pie, you know, SLV? It's like in the past year or so, because of like, I, I've eaten a lot of pie because she's always selling pies, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I, I, my favorite pie is whatever pie is, whatever sweet pie is in front of me, honestly, whatever I can stuff, <laughs> and it's plentiful, whatever I can stuff my face with, I, I'm not terribly discriminating. I'll eat it. So <laughs> whatever I can stuff my face with. Pretty much. Is, um, that, a, is that a type? Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I chocolate. Anything, anything sweet. I, put some ice, I, I love it all. Ice cream, whipped cream, either all or neither. Both. both. Yeah, yeah, both. Very good. Kelly Moore, have you got a favorite? Well, I'll tell you, and, and I know, I think Jeff Braun and Brett McGarry will remember back when we were at 980 Portage Avenue. 930. 930, rather. My place. <laughs> 
Pie Place. <laughs> which is yeah. at 980, yeah. which was at 980. Yeah. I never went there. <laughs> you never went in there? No. Oh, What kind man. of pie do they have? Oh, everything. Are they still there? <laughs> I don't think they are. I don't know. I, I don't think yeah, so. I'm, I'm not sure, but I remember that was fantastic. Google but anyway, will tell us. I'm like Shanna Lee. I don't ever say no to pie, but if I had to pick one pecan pie, I think would probably be my favorite with a little dollop of whipped cream on it. Just like uh, Ben Affleck in uh, Ranger Games. Okay, if you're insisting. Ah, How's that for a deep pull? Nice. Wow. Oh, it's a pecan effing pie. (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible movie, by the way, Ranger Games. Uh, For me, it's pumpkin pie. If I had to choose one pump, it would be pumpkin pie with tons of, not just a dollop, of whipped cream. I like lots and All lots of... All the whipped cream. Yeah, it, I like, it, like, you like a little it, pie like with the, the whipped cream? cool whip container yeah, on Yeah, like is it about. cool whip? Is it the aerosol? <laughs> you know what? I, I For a, a few years, I was into the, the, the can, the aerosol, but that stuff's useless. It's got to... If you're, if you're buying it from a store, it's a cool whip, uh, but of course, homemade whipped cream is... Yes. You just stick, yeah, you yes. may have to make it from scratch. You, yeah. you know, you just put it in the mixer and that's the best. And also pumpkin pie is the best because uh, a lot of people I know don't like it. So that means I get it all. Yeah, and yeah you same the here. Index finger in the in the bowl that they mix yeah. the whipped cream with, and yeah. I do remember uh, licking the. Uh, Use a spatula; it's better. Not, not even the spatula. The blenders, the, the, the blender uh, the blades or mixer yeah. blades, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was my. That was always my job. Yes. Behind the glass, Jerry. Uh, when I was uh, working for a company called Armatech, I I did a, a stint as a driver for them. Yeah, and of I would. You did. I would drive all over southern Ontario, and I loved the days when I got to go through a little town called Norville, Ontario. There was this bakery called Crawford's, and one Friday a month, they would have butterscotch pie, and it was the best pie ever. Ever. Okay, okay describe this. It, it was they called it a butterscotch cream pie. So it was it was basically like a really really thick butterscotch pudding inside of a pie, like the homemade butterscotch pudding, oh old my. fashioned. Oh. And then it was and then it was topped with uh with the the whipped cream and uh, I think they put uh, coconut shavings on top as well. Wow. Now they had to ruin it with the coconut. <laughs> Agreed. Don't put the coconut on. Leave the coconut. Don't try and make it better. You can't make it better. There's nothing that would make it better than what it already is. Coconut, that's rolling the dice. Bronner? Uh, I'm super picky. There's only three pies I like. I don't eat whipped cream of any sort. Uh, Saskatoon is the best. Blueberry is second, and apple pie is third. Wow. Okay. And I'm lactose intolerant, so I can't put ice cream on it either. Saskatoon. (laughs) And the Safeway brand is my favorite. Really? Yeah. You know, we have, we have our own Leonard here. <laughs> well, hey, it's sometimes like I like those uh, the pumpkin pies from Costco because they're gigantic. Oh yeah, six ninety five. Yeah, they're they're pretty good. I don't uh, think I've tried those. Oh, they're very oh, good. Try it, one. It's almost made the art of pumpkin pie making irrelevant. Oh, and you know, okay, from Perkins, you can get the chocolate French silk pie. Yes. Have you ever? Have you? Oh, I think I've tried that before. But the thing is, you have to get a whole pie. Yeah, you, know, you can't piece, just get a slice. No, the pieces, kind of, are, the pieces but, are small, and, you know, it's more bang for your buck. You get a whole pie, and then, you know, you can eat most of it yourself. <laughs> yeah, see, the, the one the, like, I would, would really like to go to a, a bakery, like a proper bakery, and order a pumpkin pie, uh, rather than just go to the Costco and buy oh, the store. Oh, of course. Yeah. I've, I've been curious to try that, uh, because even though I like those Costco pies, the superstore sells these farmer, I think the brand is Farmer's Market, yeah. and they're, they're tiny. 
uh, where the Costco pile lasts me a week. But this, I can eat the superstore pie in one sitting because it's really small. They but have it's bigger really ones good. too, though. I know, but they, they, yeah. but they, they sell the little ones. And you know what yeah, you can gotcha. do? You can yeah. get yourself a pumpkin and cut it up, and you can make your own pie. I've done it before. It's a thing. What do you do? You you cut the pumpkin up, and you cook it, and you make it into a pie. Well, what 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 is which part of the pumpkin? I've always wondered what um, is the the part. Like, like the rind, the, the 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 orange part. You you um you, like I guess you scoop the you scoop the innards out. Yep. Save the seeds for roasting later. Yep. Yum yum yum. And then you cut <laughs> you cut the you cut them up and in and, and into uh, some you know handy pieces. And mm-hmm. then you pop them in the oven for a while. And then you can uh, mix it up, add your spice, turn it into a pie. Well, good for you. It's a, it's a thing. Wow. Yeah. I just got a text. There's. There's no bad food at Costco, <laughs> especially their bacon. <laughs> There's a lot of people who feel that way. My mom used to make raisin pie oh. for me because I love raisin pie. And then she started making raisin apple pie. And my nanny, Ooh. who's still around, who cannot cook to save her life, is an amazing baker. It's really odd that she cannot cook a roast beef. Like for anything, but she is the best baker in the world, and she makes two things that are my favorite: almond tarts, which are basically mini pies. They're uh, they're a pastry with uh, raw raspberry or strawberry jam inside them, with a top and icing sugar melted on top. Amazing with uh, almond extract in the mm-hmm. in the uh, icing, so good. And then the best of all of it is the extra pastry with the brown sugar and the cinnamon that you just wrap into kind of a turnover thing and just put it in the oven. That's the best of all of making pie is the leftovers, right, Shanley? Oh, no, it's true. And I I can make a mean apple pie. A friend of mine taught me how to to make pies a few years ago. And... And, I, and I, to this day, I can make a wonderful apple pie. But here's the thing. You basically follow the joy of cooking, and then you mess with it. And I don't add lemon to my apple pie. And it comes out, because a lot of times you get apple pie, and it's like yellow. Yeah. And But mine are brown, because I don't add the, the lemon. And the lemon is supposed to help the apples keep their color, right? Yeah. And you know what? I find not adding the lemon makes it taste so much better, so much more apple-y. Interesting. Somebody yeah. just texted, and this is good. Salisbury House. Graham wafer. Oh yes! Pie. Oh, you cannot go wrong with anything that has Graham wafers in it. Graham crackers, Graham wafers, crushed Graham crackers, crushed Graham mm. cracker wafers. Yeah, whatever you want to do. Are they called? Was it waffle pie? What's it? What are those ones called? Those pies, those really good ones at Sal's, the marshmallow and. Well, I think that's it. Is it waffle pie? I think it's a great no, Graham wafer pie. Wafer pie, wafer yeah, pie. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pass. Not a fan of the Graham. But one of the things I <laughs> but one of the things I am a fan of is I had once upon a time at uh, the Grove at Grosvenor and Stafford an enchilada pie. They make a warm like a meat pie every day, and it's different every every day. And wow. uh, it was the pie of the day was enchilada. It was very good. Sounds good. So yeah, I I need green to, sauce or red enchilada sauce. Uh, yeah. That I don't remember because mm. I I. He ate it rather it quickly. It. <laughs> it's more like an auric vacuum, just <laughs> gone. I can't remember the name of the place, but it's on Provence, right just before you get to Desmurons, I think it is. And uh, it's a little strip mall there. And, and speaking of meat pies, they make the best steak and chicken pot pie. Uh, Seine River? Is it, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it might be the, the Seine the, River Cafe or something Seine like that. Seine River Cafe have killer no, this is a bakery. Well. Oh, it's a bakery. Yeah, this is a bakery. Same strip mall, maybe. Yeah, it's right down in the far corner there. I every once in a while I'll stop there on the way home and I'll go, uh, 
Honey, I've made supper tonight. Uh, Aaron, Aaron <laughs> saved it. Aaron saved it. It's not graham cracker pie. It's flapper pie. Flapper pie. Is that what it's called? Great wow. house. Yes, thank you, Aaron. There's a place here called M- Molly's Meat Pie? Molly's, that's it. Molly's Bakery. Someone texted it yeah. in. Yeah. Oh. No, I, I, and I, I found it on the Google. Yeah. Molly's I Meat highly... Pies and Bakery Products. So all that time when you're all, I'm addicted to Molly, I'm addicted to Molly, you're talking about pie. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on, we want to talk about that $1,000 speeding ticket here, but I just want to quickly revisit the topic we were having coffee and talking about, which was, what is your favorite pie? Because today is Pie Day, as in 314, March 14th. Pie, of course, the number, the mathematical constant, which originally defined as the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter, now has various equivalent definitions and appears in many formulas in all areas of mathematics and physics. It is approximately equal to 3.14159. It just it goes on infinitely. Um, but yeah, 3.14. Pi day. So uh, I got it. We were talking about various pies that we enjoy. P-I-E. Jeff likes Saskatoon pie you like. Well, raisin's my raisin. favorite. Yeah, Jerry liked this butterscotch pie that he used to get, right? Butterscotch pie from Crawford's. You got They went out of business, right? You found out? Yeah, I just did a quick Google on them. They, after 47 years in business, they went. Uh, they closed down in 2014. That's and Kelly mentioned my pay, place, Pie Place on Portage Avenue near the old station of 930 Portage. Yeah. They're, in fact, closed as well. So yeah, we thought right. perhaps they were. Tyler says Shepherd's Pie. Not that kind of pie we're talking about, Tyler, but that does work. Well, that could, yeah, that could yeah, work. I know, I know. I has <laughs> got my sweet tooth on, that's all. <laughs> and then a buddy of mine texts me and he says, how about pumpkin pie? This is my friend Gord, uh, who recently a grandfather, by the way. Congratulations, Gord, to you and your family. Uh, how about pumpkin pie with a layer of mincemeat at the bottom? Awesome, he says. You know what that reminds me of? It tastes like feet. <laughs> I like it. Are you kidding? What's not to like? Custard? Good. Jam? Good. Meat? Good. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, Joey. Yeah, whatever works for you. If you like it, you like it. I haven't tried it, so I, I guess I can't say I like it or don't like it. But I, I don't I don't know that I'd be scared to mess with pumpkin pie. I love it as it is. Yeah, you don't need to mess with that. And uh, first-time texter, welcome first-time texter at 780-6868. No one mentioned strawberry rhubarb pie. That's because rhubarb is a vile weed. <laughs> That's why we did not mention anything to do with rhubarb. That was the only thing that grew in our backyard at... On Golding Street was rhubarb. Really? That was it. And it just grew arbitrarily in our backyard. No one planted it. No one asked it to be there. I would cut it down with the lawnmower, and every spring it would return. <laughs> Vile weed. <laughs> uh, my friends, uh, his his wife's parents, they have a garden, with, and dill just randomly pops up. Uh, really? Everywhere. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but that's a happy... I guess they planted it once, and now it just grows everywhere, so... They gave me some, and it was really good. So maybe this guy, we don't know if it was a guy, Winnipeg driver, could have been a woman, uh, feeling sick to, their, sick to their stomach after a lunch hour encounter with police on Tuesday. Maybe they were just racing to get some really good pie somewhere. Yeah, could we be. don't know. We shouldn't judge. <laughs> Winnipeg Police Service tweeted a picture of a speeding ticket issued at 12.42 p.m. for $979. 
Ouch. Caption said, someone is going to have to put in some extra hours at work to pay off this fine. Caught going 141 in a 70 kilometer an hour zone. Almost a thousand dollar ticket. Hashtag just slow down. Hashtag WPS traffic. Sergeant, Staff Sergeant Sean Pollock of the Traffic Division said, while some might expect criminal charges would be warranted, that's not necessarily the case. He wouldn't say what excuse, if any, the driver might have given to explain their driving. I know that exact spot. I got a ticket going uh, 70 in the 50 just before it goes to 70. Once you get past that school on Inkster in the northwest corner of the city there. Okay. Yeah, about 25 years ago I got a ticket there. So You still remember? Wow. I still remember. I've only had about four, so I remember them all. Uh, can we move on? Well, what's... No, not yet. <laughs> what's the fastest you've ever gone in a car? Um... I think I got, I, I, oh, I guess the fastest I got tagged was in Saskatchewan doing uh, 131. Okay. I was on a Sunday. My buddy Harry Crossan and I were trying to get to Panorama for one day of skiing over spring break. We had from Saturday at midnight. And that's in BC? In BC. Saturday at midnight. We both had to be back at work at noon on Wednesday. And so our plan was to get to Panorama do one day of skiing and uh, associated uh, festivities and drive back home. And we ended up having to sleep in a parking lot in a gas station in Verdon, Manitoba because it was closed because I told Harry we did not have to stop in Brandon for gas because Verdon is the oil capital of Manitoba. Thusly, they would have 24-hour gas stations. They did not. <laughs> and our adventure simply went downhill from there. We never even made it across the Alberta British Columbia border. We never saw a panorama. We chalked up about $900 worth of unintended expenses. <laughs> it was one of the best holidays ever where you'd, well, period, dot, and we never made it to our destination. <laughs> Well, my condolences for that. Um, the fastest I have ever driven, and I and I wasn't caught for this, and uh, in retrospect, thank God I wasn't caught from a financial standpoint, but what a stupid young idiot I was. I was driving my parents' Pontiac 6000 LE, uh, 1988 Olympic edition, the Cease Meal. The white Pontiac 6000, or Cease Meal, as, as my friends called it, because we all went to French Immersion. And I had that sucker going up. I got it up to 165 kilometers an hour on Highway 15 slash Dougald Road, heading uh, east into the city. Don't know what I was thinking. I wanted to see how fast I could get the car to go. It was shaking. Like, I thought it was going to fall apart at the seams. So irresponsible. Want to make sure I'm making it clear. Do not do this. I was a young, stupid, idiot teenager, and I thought I was being cool. I was not. I was not being cool. My kids are shaking their heads at you right now. I can feel them. Good. Imagining that Brett McGarry would do something so irresponsible will have their image of you shattered. Yeah. Beyond words. Yep. I mean, I was a teenager and I did dumb things. Don't be like me. Don't be a Brett. Uh, great pie suggestion here. Another first time texter. And this is good. Sergeant Sundays, pumpkin spice ice cream pie. 
their fall special so good. And Tyson just texted in. Tyson texts us all the time. He says, hey, I used to make snow at Panorama. Thanks for bringing back the memories. I could only imagine wow. what it would have been like to live in Panorama. There's a golf course there I want to go to. It's oh, called Grey Wolf. It's amazing. You've played it? No, but I've been there. It's amazing. I was oh. there two summers ago. Fabulous place. Hey, Brett, you know how we lament winter in this part of the world? The uh, happiness index, the global happiness uh, index came out today. Yeah. And uh, seven, the, the top seven countries all deal with winter. Oh. And some of them for a substantial amount of time. Interesting. So we'll tell you which is the happiest country on the planet in just a little bit. And we also want to tell you about the letter that a mom in Newmarket, Ontario received from frustrated neighbors and it didn't have to do with the noise that her dogs were making it had to do with how noisy her kids were i'll oh. tell you about that in just <laughs> okay. a little bit but the top story of the day is the passing of stephen hawking renowned physicist hawking is being remembered as a great scientist and extraordinary man who leaves a legacy that will live on for years hawking died early this morning at the age of 76 at his home in cambridge england NASA's official Twitter account posted Hawking was an ambassador of science. American astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted, Hawking's passing has left an intellectual vacuum in his wake. With more, here is ABC's Gloria Rivera. Stephen Hawking will be remembered as a genius who did not let his disease stop him. I have had ALS for practically all my adult life. Yet it has not prevented me from having a very attractive family and being successful in my work. Hawking has been compared to Albert Einstein and Isaac Newton. His best-selling book, A Brief History of Time, tackles black holes and the Big Bang Theory, subjects he spent his life exploring. In 2004, he conceded a mistake on black holes. Instead of destroying everything that falls into them, he found they do allow critical information to get out. So we can be sure of the past, and we can predict the future. Hawking was born in 1942. Early on, he displayed a love of science. In his early 20s, already a physics phenom at Cambridge University, Hawking was first diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. But Hawking said that physics can take one beyond one's physical limitations. He certainly took science beyond the classroom and into popular culture, even appearing on television shows such as The Simpsons. If you are looking for trouble, you found it. Yeah, just try me, you... Oh! His spirit of adventure also led him to accept an offer to experience weightlessness. It was amazing. Asked many times if his disability held him back, Hawking simply said it gave him more time to think. For the world of science, it wasn't time enough. Gloria Riviera, ABC News. Now his children, Lucy, Robert, and Tim, say Hawking was a great scientist and an extraordinary man whose work and legacy will live on for many years. In a 2010 interview with ABC's Diane Sawyer, Hawking revealed the most important advice he has given his children. One, remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Two, never give up work. Work gives you meaning and purpose, and life is empty without it. And here's number three. If you are lucky enough to find love, 
Remember it is rare, and don't throw it away. Now, 10 years ago, Hawking held Canada's science profile when he accepted a research post at the country's crown jewel of theoretical physics study. In 2008, Hawking took on the title of a distinguished research chair at the prestigious Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Waterloo, which later named a new wing of the facility after the wheelchair-bound scientist. And just one more clip. This is Stephen Hawking giving the business to Piers Morgan. Many people, Professor, think you are the most intelligent human being in the world. Do you agree? And if it's not you, then who is it? Present company accepted, obviously. I would never claim this. People who boast about their IQ are losers. People <laughs> <laughs> so quick-witted, wow. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, what an extraordinary man. And as I mentioned earlier when we were discussing this, you knew that one day Stephen Hawking would, would pass, but like the passing of Gord Downey, you just wondered if maybe he would just keep on living. And it was uh, sad news to hear this morning. The passing of Stephen Hawking will be uh, honoring him throughout the day as they will uh, be on uh, various media uh, around the world. Speaking of around the world, the World Happiness Report published today ranked 156 countries by happiness levels based on factors such as life expectancy, social support, and corruption. Unlike past years, the annual report published by the UN Sustainable Development Solutions Network also evaluated 117 countries by the happiness and well-being of their immigrants. Europe's Nordic nations, none particularly diverse, have dominated the index since it was first produced in 2012. In reaching number one, Finland. Nudge neighboring Norway into second place, rounding out the top 10 are Denmark, Iceland, Switzerland, the Netherlands, and Canada. New Zealand, Sweden, and Australia rounded out the top 10. And the United States fell to 18th place from 14th last year. So that's pretty cool. There's, I want to visit many of these countries as well. Uh, you know, I'd have, actually, now that I think of it, I, I've never been to Europe, so I'd probably be happy to go anywhere. But particularly the Nordic countries have always had a, a thing for. Maybe it's because winter. I don't know. You, you you sort of dig the winter. Our friends at Power 97 were talking about this, and Joyello theorizes that uh, it's because Patrick Laine is having such an incredible <laughs> season with the Winnipeg Jets <laughs> that the people in Finland are just in an incredible mood. A better mood than the neighbors of this new market, Ontario market. Yeah, well, here's a clip of the story that we want to discuss in full a bit later. A mom of four boys, all under the age of six. Morgan DeCaros DeBoer admits life can get pretty loud. They do get on each other's nerves, so, I mean, they do have their whining, Stop it! Don't do that! But she never thought her family would be singled out because of the sound. I am one of several neighbors who are frustrated with the frequent screaming and shrieking your children make while playing in your backyard. So that's the tease. Full story. We're going to talk about this after 9 o'clock. You can read it as well at globalnews.ca, story of a Toronto mom. The headline is, New Market Mom Receives Letter from Neighbor Frustrated with Backyard Noise by Kids. I'm convinced half my neighbors hate me because of the noise level that comes from our backyard in the summertime in particular. So... Uh, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Well, do your kids have a similar 
voice to you? Uh, no, but they do have the propensity to uh, whine and cry. That, that, that sing-song whiny thing that they do when they're angry with one another. <laughs> oh, man, I can't wait till they grow out of that. The provincial budget just came out on Monday. Lots of conversation coming out of that. And then yesterday afternoon, we get this release from our friends at the CFIB, a record 399,000 job vacancies in Q4 in 2017 across the country. Manitoba's job vacancy rate sees modest increase, modest increase rather, with 9,900 unfilled jobs. Jonathan Allward joins us now in studio to talk about this from the CFIB. He's Director of Provincial Affairs. And... Um, Jonathan, you're telling me that this isn't uncommon. This number is sort of static for Manitoba? Well, what we've seen in the past is Manitoba doesn't necessarily rise like others in, in the country. But if you look at uh, the, the rates for the fourth quarter of last year, all the provinces seem to be rising. And it's, it's uh, usually indicative of an economy that's growing strong. But it presents lots of problems at the same time, especially for small business owners. We hear it from our members all the time. Each employee, because you have fewer, is so important. And if uh, you're trying to, to fill one without any luck, then it's a real problem for your business. And although the economy might be growing strong, uh, that really puts a constraint on your ability to grow if you can't find those employees. So is it? it's not a situation where people simply don't want to work? It's that there are not people who can work? Yeah, absolutely. That's often the case. It could be about finding the the employees with the right skills to meet your business. It could be uh, where your business is based out of. Often uh, you find in larger communities, it's not as much of a, of a situation and you find more employees that you can choose from. But in Manitoba, it increased to, like you said, 9,900 jobs. And it's it's a growing problem. Uh, usually the economy here is, is a little more stable when we see in this report. But it's a big problem that's going to put a, a constraint on uh, growing businesses, especially those small ones that want to try and uh, improve. Well, I was telling you a story off air about when my mom used to own a restaurant in Boisevain, and the Turtle Derby is their annual event. I, I, I think it went away for a little while. They brought it back. Uh, regardless, I remember one summer her head cook at the restaurant wanted the whole weekend off so he could play in a baseball tournament. She said, well, no, I need you here. He said, well, then I quit. And to rub salt into the wound, she had no choice but to hire him back on Tuesday because there was nobody to do that job. And I know lots of people in rural Manitoba who are in that same predicament, especially when they own service-type industry, service-type businesses. There just are not enough workers to fill the jobs and to fill the hours that they have to offer. Yeah, it's, it's a real problem, and it's not just exclusive to rural Manitoba. Certainly, it's a problem here in Winnipeg as well, um, and, and across the country. As you can see, nearly uh, 400,000 unfilled jobs. Uh, but if you look towards what are the solutions to the problem, a lot of them aren't short-term fixes. Um, one of the things, though, I'm encouraged by to see is the new Canadian Free Trade Agreement. And part of that is looking to improve labor mo mobility across provinces. And if you... Uh, better aligned certification. So if you are qualified to work in one province, you can qualify to work in all the others, then you're going to have more ability to be flexible across provinces. And hopefully that should benefit Manitoba. 
Another problem, too, that uh, some organizations are facing, for example, is simply just trying to keep costs down. Winnipeg uh, School Division, or we, we did a report, Global News did a report on school divisions having to raise their taxes yet again. Uh, three per, the latest is a 3.3% hike for Winnipeg School Division. But one of the things I noticed out of that is they're keeping a lot of positions vacant simply to keep their jobs down. So in some cases, too, it's just about keeping the, the, the sheet balanced. Yeah, and that, that can absolutely be the case. And I know we've been hearing from small business owners uh, and our, our business optimism levels that we look at actually show this very much, but they've been facing so many increasing costs from every level of government, the federal government with the federal tax changes, payroll taxes are going up. Uh, provincially, we have a carbon tax coming into Manitoba, hydro rates likely to increase this year. It's a real concern, and it's not getting easier to do business, certainly from a cost point of view in Manitoba. Our guest is Jonathan Allward. He's Director of Provincial Affairs for Manitoba for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. And before we let you run here, Jonathan, those optimism numbers, I'm curious because the, the provincial government, uh, since their inception and prior to becoming government, always said that under proper management and with a, a healthy budget without a deficit, that Manitoba would become more attractive for business. Are we seeing those optimism levels rise as we get closer to to a balanced budget, even though it's not presently balanced? We know that's the goal. It's the stated intention of this provincial government. Well, that's certainly a priority for small business owners because they understand that deficits and increasing provincial debt today are going to lead to usually higher taxes tomorrow. But we've seen really highs and lows in business optimism since the government took over. Uh, It's on the rebound right now. It's about middle of the pack in the country. Last year had been higher, but it's certainly on the up and up. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, how small business owners react to the provincial government that was announced earlier this week. Um, Although there are a lot of very positive tax relief initiatives Uh, listed in the budget, certainly ones that are priorities for our small business owners, increasing the basic personal exemption was their number one priority because it's going to put a lot of money back into their customers' pockets. But if you look at the budget as a whole, we're actually seeing a net tax increase of uh, about $117 million. That's a huge concern, and we're really looking for the government to provide some clarity on it. Right now, there are just too many questions, and uh, hopefully small business optimism doesn't uh, start decreasing again in the near future. We have a traffic note here, by the way. Semi-stalled Route 90 southbound in the underpass before Logan in the right lane. So once again, uh, semi-stalled Route 90 southbound in the underpass before Logan in the right lane. Just thinking more about this example that Greg talked about here with this restaurateur who had to hire back this person. So if you if if you are in a small business and you're having a, experiencing challenges finding people or people who are essentially taunting you, because you have no other choice. What is a small business owner supposed to do to, to find, to lure people or to attract people to come, hey, come work for me? Well, that's, that's a great question. There are lots of tools online. Um, there are lots of job search websites where you can post job listings and try and get out to a bigger pool. Uh, but when in doubt, call CFIB, call our office here in Winnipeg. We have uh, business resource help and uh, we'll do our best to help uh, businesses get out there with a bigger voice so they can look at uh, filling those vacancies. Jonathan Allward is Director of Provincial Affairs for Manitoba for the Canadian Federation of Independent Business. Joining us live in studio here at 680 CJOB. Jonathan, thank you very much. No, thanks for having me. One, two, three.
three. Brett McGarry with Greg Mackling and Shanalee Vidal. Three things with Shanalee Vidal heard every day after the 8 o'clock news. And today it is three things about March 14th. And we're getting all kinds of text messages and we will continue to share some of those. But first we'll explain, let Shanalee explain why we're getting all these text messages. Good morning, Shanalee. Good morning, Brett. Good morning, Greg. Good morning. So today is the 30th anniversary of everybody's favorite mathematical holiday. Why is it only 30 years? That's what I want to know. That's a good question. Like a, the March... March 14th hasn't been around for, you know, several hundred years. I know. This whole March 14th thing must be a recent occurrence. But I think it's before somebody decided, hey, you know what? We're going we're gonna to celebrate on March 14th. All right. Drew the correlation. Drew the correlation. So Pi Day, P-I. Uh, it, it is because it's the third month and the 14th day. And it makes us think of the mathematical symbol pi. Pi represents a constant, such as the ratio of the circumference of a circle to its diameter, which is approximately 3.14159. And that according to piday.org, they have their own website, pi has been calculated to over one trillion digits beyond its decimal point. As an irrational... would double check that work, by the way? Ah, uh, no, that's wrong. As an, irrash- as an irrational and transcendental, <laughs> transcendental number, it will continue in infinitely without repetition or pattern, which can really make it super fun to try and memorize. Yeah, no pattern, no uh, reoccurring patterns. It's uh, it's it's a marvel of of mathematics for sure. Oh, absolutely. And you always hear these, these bright students who have pi memorized to X amount of digits and good for you. I, but I got I, it all the way to two. I, I got it. I just got the three, three, three point one four. Yeah, that's good <laughs> that's, enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> so for our second thing now, March fourteenth, it is a strange coincidence now that today, Pi Day is the is also known as the day that we lost one of the world's most brilliant is minds. Is it coincidence though? Is it? I, I don't know. I think not. Stephen Hawking, the theoretical physicist and cos, uh, cosmologist, passed away at the age of seventy six. And he was diagnosed with ALS in his early 20s. That was more than 50 years ago. Nobody thought he was going to live this long. They kept telling oh. him, oh, you, you don't have time to live. And it's just, 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 uh, he lived just a, such a fascinating, fascinating life. But here's another March 14th uh, coincidence to another brilliant mind. Albert Einstein, he was born on this day 139 years well, ago. how about that? How about that, huh? Wow. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and uh, also, now, uh, Stephen Hawking has a reputation for being hilarious. He's made several appearances on TV shows. I know he was on The Simpsons. Uh he did. Uh, he he did this Monty Python, the Galaxy song. He's been on the Big Bang the Theory. The Big Bang Theory. He was also on an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, where the character of Data goes into the holodeck and he wants to play a game of poker with some of the universe's greatest minds, like Hawking, Albert Einstein, and Sir Isaac Newton. Certainty principle will not help you now, Stephen. Hmm? All the quantum fluctuations in the universe will not change the cards in your hand. <laughs> I call. You are bluffing. And you will lose. Wrong again, Albert. Stephen Hawking schooled them all. Of course he did. Okay. (laughs) All right. What's the third thing? The third thing, because we are celebrating Pi Day today, it only makes sense to add an extra E. 
and celebrate Pi Day P-I-E. E for eat, because trying to solve mathematical equations can really work up an appetite. So it's an excuse to treat yourself, maybe your coworkers, Mm -hmm. to some tasty pie. And I, I did promise I will be bringing in some pie tomorrow morning. I've actually ordered an apple whiskey pie. Thank you. No word of a lie. It's true. We'll thank Nadina in in advance, too. So, on all morning, our listeners have been texting us their favorite types of pies. Okay, the one at the top of the list we just got. (laughs) It's original bean pie, and I looked it up. That has pimento beans in, in it. Okay. And that's and supposed to make it somehow better? I think well, I think it's I assume it would probably have sugar in it as well to make it make it sweet. All right. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by this recipe. Lemon meringue from scratch, homemade butterscotch pie, Billy Miner pie from the keg, mm-hmm. tortier, double layer pumpkin pie with ginger cookie. Uh, buttermilk apple, buttermilk rhubarb, Saskatoon. Oh, I love a good Saskatoon pie. Oh, I can, uh, pizza pie, key lime pie, shepherd's pie, chicken mm. pot pie, pumpkin spice ice cream pie, Boston cream pie, cheese onion pie, and of course flapper pie from Sal's. With the, My mother-in-law with the makes this, this dessert where she takes ice cream sandwiches, puts them in like about a twelve by eighteen pan. And then puts whipped cream on top of that and then smashes up score bar <gasps> and puts it in there and then serves with more ice cream on top. It is so good. I, I would eat that. Oh so <gasps> good. That sounds delightful. <laughs> yeah, so we'll leave you on that. Yeah. <laughs> we got another we got a text here from B Rad who says, Brett Meister, the absolute best pie in Manitoba is in Selkirk at Barney Gargles. The pie crust is amazing. I double dog anyone to tell me. A better pie. I've never had it, so I can't uh, I dispute have, it. I have been to Barney Gar- Gargles. Uh, I don't. You pretend like you do like nothing, but stay at home and read books. You, you got a secret life. I have life. a lot of pity on people. People take pity on me and take me out and get me experience. But I've been to Barney Gargles. I don't think I've had the pie though. Well, but I'm, I'm gonna, gonna have, have to, to check that out next time. All right, Shannon Vidal, thank you very much. Three things on Pie Day. You can keep those text messages coming at 204-780-6868. We're getting all sorts of feedback on Pie. Also, a couple of interesting text messages on speeding. And one of them, and I'm just trying to find it here, we had somebody who texted us to say that they lived in Germany for a time. And the uh, the speed there, of course, was the Autobahn. And they would set the 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 cruise control to like 170, 175, but the fastest they've ever driven was actually in Canada, 245 kilometers an hour. No. <laughs> and this no. was it's only for a few seconds, very wide high open highway in southern flat Saskatchewan. And this is also a first time texter. So welcome your maiden voyage on texting 680 CJOB. We appreciate the feedback and you can all Email us, brett at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com. I don't know why we're getting spoiled like this, Brett. Oh. We're getting a lot of our favorite guests this week. <laughs> it Seen has been a good week, right? yeah. It's been a good one. Dr. Raymond Abdulrahman is here with us in studio for our monthly segment, Psychology and the City. Today we are going to be talking about the power of coming forward about mental health. But as 
happens on Mackling and McGarry. Even with Dr. Abdul Rahman, we've gone a little bit awry before we even start the car. We've gotten into a conversation off air about the carbon tax of all things with the provincial budget coming down on Monday. Uh, Raymond, you were saying that it feels a little odd as to how the government is approaching this, not to put words in your mouth. So I'll yeah. let you use your own words and, and, and talk about uh, taxation and, and talk about how really we're, how do we go about changing behavior? Because that, on yeah. the surface, at least seems like that is what this tax is supposed to be about, right? Well, why don't I start with a quote by Stephen Hawking? I think that's apropos. Uh, given his recent death, you know, and one of his quotes is, science can lift people out of poverty and cure disease. That, in turn, will reduce civil unrest. And so I think there's a real importance in using science, including the science of psychology and behavior behavior change, um, in creating a lot of our policies and whatnot. And the issue of this carbon tax, and the, the question isn't about whether we should have a carbon tax or not, but how do we implement something that that is able to shift behavior? Because the point here is we want people to start to reduce using things that would increase the carbon footprint. Um, so what we know about behavior change is that punishment doesn't produce as much positive change as does positive reinforcement. So if you think about air miles, you know, um, that, that system works. People buy more using any kind of point system because they get rewarded for it. Uh, in the case of a carbon tax, you've got to have some sort of incentive tied to it. And there is no immediate consequence tied to it. So it just feels like a punishment to a lot of people. Um, added to that, there's nothing to kind of bridge that behavior change, right? So like, you know, let's say we make electric cars cheaper. You know, well, that would be great. So people are probably more likely to do that. And then we can increase the carbon tax, right? So when those two go hand in hand, we're more likely to increase behavior change in a positive way. Yeah, I was thinking about that just the other day with the carbon tax. This feels kind of like, you know, they, the governments, uh, they like to say, well, we're going to cut taxes here and cut taxes there. But then if you impose new taxes, that's going to, all that, all those costs are going to end up trickling down to us in the forms of, we had a listener text us saying, hey, I, I work, I burn 500, burn through 500 kilometers a day uh, on, uh, trucking on the highway. That All that gas cost is going to be passed on to the consumer. So I don't really know what the, what, they think they're accomplishing by imposing these taxes in the way that you've described. So thanks for putting that kind of yeah. perspective on it. Well, I, just I think I think it's really important when people in leadership, uh, when people are in leadership, they need to be able to consider the point of view of the everyday person, right? Uh, you know, that whole statement of let them eat cake, you know, when people were going through a struggle with hunger, the French Revolution. Um, you can't step out of that sense of reality. And although we need to, I totally agree, we need to be able to make that environmental change for the better. We cannot exclude the point of view of the everyday person that comes down to the pocketbook. Well, yeah, there's uh, a disincentive uh, to speed, mm -hmm. right? And if we were all in the proper state of mind and all as community-minded as we would hope we would be, we wouldn't need to have photo radar. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't need to have red light cameras because we would all obey the red lights and the amber lights the way they were intended. Mm -hmm. But some of us think that yellow means go faster yeah. and that stop signs are yield signs. And so yeah. we have our own version of of what the law is and how it applies to us. Absolutely. Yeah, consequences are needed. Consequences are very helpful, but we get more change through positive reinforcement than we do through punishment. And I think it's a key principle to keep in mind. Okay. We brought you on here today 
to uh, have a conversation to send some kudos, some love to a couple of NBA superstars, DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love. And DeMar DeRozan uh, plays for the Toronto Raptors, and he went public late in February about his battle with depression. I'm just going to read this uh, couple of sentences here from the USA Today. DeMar DeRozan is getting the response he had hoped for when he opted to publicly detail his struggles with depression and anxiety. The Toronto Raptors All-Star, who spoke at length with the Toronto Star late last month about the importance of addressing mental health issues, said Tuesday night that the ripple effect of his interview has, quote, been probably one of the most incredible things that me personally I've witnessed, period. That's from someone who performs at the highest level in professional sport, makes millions of dollars a year, and he's finding the greatest reward in coming forward with something very personal and how that's uh, allowing others to come forward. It's a pretty powerful message. It is a very powerful message. Um, To me, the concept of mental health is a common thread, I think, that ties us together um, as humanity. And I think the moment we start to isolate and Kevin Love talks about it where he said you know I used to think that mental health was something about another person's problem but the moment we realize that we're all tied to this concept I think it increases our sense of humanity and when we talk about it publicly uh, or you know leaders in our society kind of talk about it more publicly I think it's a really amazing model for a lot of people to follow not just children but I think adults as well and I think in particular men who have a particular you know stigma on talking about their feelings and interpreting mental health as weakness. Well, yeah, there's that, uh, that whole suck it up mentality. I'm a, yeah. you know, I've, I've, I've just got to deal with whatever it is I'm going through. I'll walk I'll, it off. Yeah, exactly. So why, what do you, why do you think that that continues to be so pervasive? I think what it says is that in society, we still need to go a lot further. I think when we talk about gender roles and stereotypes of what we expect out of men and women, um, Men, I think, are tied to this concept that uh, we need to be these tough, bulletproof individuals who don't have any feelings. But I think what that does is it removes our humanity from us. Um, We are human beings, just like women, and I think that we struggle just as much as women would um, because we have that common thread of humanity. What is the power of someone like DeMar DeRozan or Kevin Love penning his feelings and sharing his story in the Players' Tribune? What is the power of that? Uh, to greater society. Well, do you remember our last show? We are talking about the architecture of thought, right? And when people come forward like this, it actually helps support like a public discourse and a public idea that mental health is very normal. So we now have, so to speak, supports in place that support this idea of the normality of people struggling with mental health difficulties as a health concern. So the more kind of supports we have in place, the more likely we are to be able to support the idea uh, that mental health is a normal thing to struggle with. And these kinds of things coming forward help support that. I was wanted to ask you, is there a difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack? Um, they're actually very, they're, they're, same, they're the same thing. And, okay. and maybe actually, I don't know if you want to do it now, but we walk through it later. I, we can talk about the science about that. So we, you know, I spend a lot of time talking about how we don't have access to service and whatnot. Um, and I think I think that's what this needs to come down to, right? Like, and we can talk about this, but our healthcare system is two tiered. I would say I've always said because we cover our physical health, but we don't cover our mental health. So 
we can do that, but we should also talk a little bit about how to manage panic. I think anybody listening in should be able to have that tool. Let's well, do that in a moment. That sounds good. We'll take a pause. We'll update the weather, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about Kevin Love's experience and, uh, well, both Brett and I, I think, went through this in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. We're going to share? Yep. Okay. When we come back, it's back on the Gary in the morning. Dr. Raymond Abdul-Rahman is with us. We're talking about psychology in the city. Kevin Love, forward of the Cleveland Cavaliers, came forward with his battle with anxiety in the Players' Tribune. And, and the headline is, everyone is going through something. He says, on November 5th, right after halftime against the Hawks, Atlanta Hawks, I had a panic attack. It came out of nowhere. I'd never had one before. I didn't even know if they were real, but it was real as real as a broken hand or a sprained ankle. Since that day, almost everything about the way I think about my mental health has changed. What is an anxiety attack? What is a panic attack? So they refer to the same thing. Uh, People get them confused. Um, Ultimately, panic or anxiety attacks can come about on their own, uh, but they can also be tied to specific anxieties as well too. Uh, sometimes stress, situations with performance, they they can comprise of two components, a psychological one or basically cognitive based on worries, you know, that people have a lot of racing thoughts and worries that wrap it through their head and then a physical component as well too, um, which that gets triggered through the stress, which is, you know, rapid heart rate, shortness of breath, dizziness, narrowed vision. Sometimes people feel like they're going to faint. Many people feel like there's something physically wrong with them, that they're losing their mind. Um, so those are the components that come into place. Now, it's actually a really natural thing. It's a normal response to fear. Uh, but if, So if a tiger fell into the studio right now, all of us would have those, those symptoms. Uh, but we attribute it to the tiger. When the stress is much more smaller or not present or not visible to us, we just have all of the symptoms and it's not tied to any tiger and it makes us feel like we're losing our mind. Um, so it's a normal response and I think that's the first step to be aware of when we're dealing with those kinds of things. Uh, but then there's a series of things that we can do to reduce our arousal. Ultimately, it's just our body is in a heightened state of arousal. It's fight or flight. So a tiger comes into this room, we need to be able to run out of this room or kick that tiger. You know, one of those two things. So it's that normal response. But what we want to be able to do is teach our body that this is not a scary situation. And so there's a process that one can go through through therapy that would learn. And ultimately, number one is to re- is to turn off that psychological trigger and is to realize this is normal. It's just happening at the wrong time. And number two, one of the ways that we increase, our body increases our arousal is to start to take in a lot more oxygen. So the, the, the amount that comes into our body is higher, it increases into our blood system. And so we have all those other symptoms that go with it. So if you and I right now all started to suck back a lot of oxygen, all of a sudden, when I do that one deep breath, my head goes whoop, I start to get a little bit loopy in my head. And so uh, we need to learn how to manage that physiological arousal. And so if the problem is too much oxygen through one big hole in our face, we close that, we close our mouth, and we breathe through our nose. And so regulating our oxygen through our nose, two smaller holes in our face, helps us slow down that breathing. We also need to make sure that we're getting a deep, full breath. And usually we try to breathe from our chest, so they're short, but our lungs are restricted there because they've got a rib cage. When we breathe from our diaphragm, you know, that diaphragm goes down, all that stuff down there is squishy. It allows our lungs to expand fully and get a fuller breath. So regulating the oxygen from our nose and th- through our diaphragm allows us to get that fuller breath. And staying in that situation as opposed to leaving while we're doing that 
on a repeated basis allows us to be able to learn and teaches our brain that it doesn't need to react that way because this is not a dangerous situation. That's the science of a panic attack. Yeah, I mean, you know, Greg sort of alluded to it. I think the experiences that we had were were similar but different. I think Greg's was more of a, you. well, why don't we start with yours? Because I think yours was more of an event, right? Yeah, I was, I was a day, I think I had about three different things on the agenda. And it was a Monday, didn't have as much sleep as I would like. And I was sitting here and I could feel my body, my physiology literally changing. And uh, Brett gives me a hard time because I'll be on Twitter and stuff. I'll be on my phone sometimes. But I was literally texting with one of my best friends mm. saying, I'm having a panic attack right, right now. I'm on the air. I can't run out of the room. Mm. And my buddy just talked me, spoke and talked me through it. And I think acknowledging the fact that that's what I was going through probably allowed me, this is my own diagnosis. You can tell me if I'm wrong. A, allowed me to A, Get to the uh, get to the crux of the problem quicker, mm -hmm. and recognize it. And during breaks, I was kind of trying to regulate and to change my my breathing pattern. And I got through it in about forty minutes. Uh, it would have been nice if I'd been able to maybe leave the room, but to be able to recognize it, I think, was critical for me. Absolutely, yeah. And to be able to talk about it, to know what to do about it, right? Can you imagine what would happen if you went through that and you couldn't tell anybody about that? You couldn't text your buddy you know, then you live inside your own head, right? And it becomes worse. And imagine if you realize that you're the only one struggling with that. Well, you imagine you know? that you are. Yeah, that's right. right. And in truth, so many of us struggle with it, right? Approximately one in four people struggle with an anxiety disorder and, and panic is really tied to anxiety. So we're not alone, right? This is a human issue. And from for me, one of the things that I've come to realize, I'd, I'd say over about the last month and a half, uh, and there's just been a lot going on, both uh, professionally and personally, and it's just, it's all kind of added up and they're like, it's increasingly I've, I've found I'm just I'm having a hard time breathing. I, I'm having a hard time just calming down. And uh, it's been increasingly frustrating to the point mm. where I, I actually think I need to maybe to talk to somebody to give me some tools because I uh, more frequently feel like a complete basket case. Like I just yeah. can't, I can't focus on anything because I can't. I can't calm down. I can't slow it down. Yeah. And layers of stress will do that, right? Because you think about the layers of stress that we add, you know, that, that's saying a ton of feathers, right? And the weight of that, think about what that does to our, our emergency response system, right? Although there's no tiger in the room, we still feel this imminent sense of danger and urgency, even though there's small layers of it. And so we can't identify a tiger, but the weight of that tiger is still there. So I think you guys being able to talk about this, like publicly on air, makes a huge change. And so hopefully the listeners that are listening you know, take a cue from this and realize that there's nothing wrong with talking about it, being honest about our feelings as men, and then seeking help when we need it. You're nominated to kick the tiger. Uh, Brett and I will run out of the room. <laughs> is, that, is that a fair deal? That's a fair deal. Huh? <laughs> uh, Raymond, uh, you've got a couple of websites. Why don't you give them a plug? Yeah, so clinicpsychology.com is our clinic's website. Um, I'd encourage everybody to please check out our Win Love campaign, winlove.ca, W-I-N-N-L-O-V-E.ca. And that's using the psychology, uh, the science of psychology to help improve our civic pride. But with regards to talking about panic, I'd like to point everybody to this direction. Um, we've got a free resource on our website. It's called Worry Shrinker. So if you are a parent, uh, if you work with children in any way, we've got a free resource, Google Worry Shrinker. And it comes up as number one on Google. You'll find a resource on how to help work with anxiety and panic with young kids. So we help prevent this early on. 
Dr. Raymond Abdul Rahman, psychologist with Clinic Psychology Manitoba. Psychology and the City is the name of the segment. We'll visit with him again next month. We want to have a discussion about the first female, the first woman RCMP commissioner. Brenda Lucky was named by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as Canada's first permanent female RCMP commissioner. He lists her responsibilities, including uh, promoting gender equality and addressing workplace harassment. To get some perspective, we are joined by Sherry Podolchuk. She, Sherry retired from the RCMP in 2009. She knows a thing or two about this organization. In 2013, she was asked to provide testimony for the Standing Committee on the Status of Women in the House of Commons, focusing on the impact of harassment in the RCMP and the effect on victims. In 2016, she was part of a panel discussion on the follow-up of the RCMP class action lawsuit settlement and how to move forward as an organization implementing work culture changes. Sherry is also the author of Women Not Wanted, which details her experiences as a female officers and the difficulties encountered with sexual harassment, discrimination, and workplace conflict. And Sherry joins us now on 680 CJOB. Sherry, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good morning, Brett. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you very much for having me. Always great to have you, Sherry. We appreciate your time as always. What are the challenges that are ahead for Ms. Ms. Lucky? Well, I, first of all, it's, it's, it is a monumental event having a female at the helm of the RCMP ship. I think it's, that's very good. There are some, first of all, it's, the, it's not just the sexual harassment uh, problems that are in the RCMP right now. It, there's many other issues facing her as she tries to navigate her way to you know, change the culture of, uh, of the RCMP. For example, the, the, the pay scales, the, the grievance section, low morale, mental health, uh, the, the, need, the need for more officers. There's a recruitment drive right now. So there is, there's a lot of different areas that she's going to be facing, as well as resistance from those who weren't willing to change the last few years. And so there, that will probably take, I'm saying, uh, probably about 10 years for these changes that she's trying to do to be fully implemented and maybe and hopefully whittle, all, whittle uh, their way down to the frontline officers. So there's, it's a huge task she's taking on and hopefully she'll get the support that she needs from the ranks and also uh, with having a civilian oversight to help her navigate her way. Sherry, why is the culture, why has the culture been so problematic within the, the RCMP? Well, because nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. They were allowed to behave a certain way and nobody said anything for years. Even though there was people who were bystanders and wanted to say something, the problem was if they said something, there was retribution, ruined careers, uh, further bullying. So there, it was allowed to, to, to be, continue and to get to the point where we had, you know, so many uh, lawsuits, people with uh, mental health, PTSD, on work-related stress, suicides. We've, it's been allowed to continue because no one said anything. And now people are saying something. There are people in positions of power who are wanting to make changes. There are people in, in the background who don't want to make these changes. So anytime you're changing a behavior, you will have a lot of resistance because they like the way it is. And many have identified their whole life around the image of the RCMP. And when people speak up to try and make changes, those, some of these people will feel threatened and 
they will do everything they can to protect that image. And as a result, then the, the problems continue. So, Sherry, the education of the workplace, where does it begin? Does it begin with those who have been bullied or an overall uh, expression of disdain for this activity within an organization? How do, how do, you, how do you weed this out of, a, of, a, of an organization that, that has had a history of this issue? That's a very good question. And there's a lot of different organizations out, outside of the RCMP who specialize in organizational leadership and cultural change. That's where they need to start is find, find some place, some, an organization that can help from the outside and use the inside knowledge of the officers that we have and leaders that we have to create that change. So it starts with today. It starts with having a conversation, keeping the conversation, having a conversation with your wife, your family, your brothers, your sisters. It changes that way. The more people are aware of what happens when you allow bullying and sexual harassment and name-calling and things like that in an organization, it ruins it. It just takes one person to ruin a workplace if nobody says anything or there's ineffectual, ineffectual leadership. And it's okay to be angry at your partner. The idea is to uh, improve your conflict resolution skills. Education starts with today, but it needs to be a continual thing. You don't have, for example, sexual harassment or respectful workplace training once, and then you have nothing over the next 25 years. That is something I think needs to be ongoing. People change. Our, our world is changing. We are a global environment. We have different people coming from all over the world to live in Canada, and a lot of them want to be RCMP officers. That's fantastic. But they'll be different. They'll be, they will think of police and, and react differently, so they need ongoing training of what the RCMP standards will be, what their mission and values will be, and how to, to be willing to enforce policies that keep that mandate up in the forefront and not allow it to go back into the old status quo. Sherry Podolchuk, our guest, a retired RCMP officer, also the author of Women Not Wanted, which details her experiences as a female officer and the difficulties encountered with sexual harassment, discrimination, and workplace conflict. And Sherry, wondering if uh, you might have an example that of that kind of negativity to put it blunt that rather under that's really an understatement negativity but to give us an example of the kind of things that you had to deal with uh well it's it's a it's a feels like a lifetime ago because i i've never really focused on the past but i do like to take a step back now and then to take a peek so it started out very simple in my case and uh, and and sadly it's still continuing but People are being aware of it and they're speaking up so things, I am very optimistic things will change. So for me, it was at the very beginning with name calling and when I asked them to stop, they didn't. When I went to the leader, he was he did not get them to stop and simply thought it was funny and maybe I liked the attention. And that's where if if the if he would have said, hey, don't call her those names, I don't want any, any we're not having any of that here, then I think my life would have been a lot different for the next 17 years. Sure, so it boils down to leadership and individual responsibility. You don't have to like everybody you work with, but we have to be respectful. And I think if you want to join the RCMP, I'm so for you doing that. Follow your dreams. Just be informed. Sherry, how do you create in a workplace a feeling of security and comfort for someone to come forward when they've 
had a situation uh, where they felt uncomfort- uncomfortable or something more serious than that. H- how do you make people uh, know that their concerns are going to be listened to and, if warranted, acted upon? Yeah, that's a very good question, Greg. And, and uh, th- th- I think they there's probably a lot more people who are have experienced things they don't say anything because they've seen the retribution right away. So to make a, a, a healthy workplace, you start with the education. You say, we're, okay, this is the way it was before, and this is the way we're going to do it. We will do it now. And when someone comes to you and they feel like they have a complaint, first of all, everybody makes mistakes. There's a difference between someone saying an off-color joke and someone and sexually harassing or bullying repeatedly. It's the behavior, the pattern that keeps going. So you can, if, if, you, if you feel uncomfortable to speak to the person, speak to your manager, and your manager will listen to you and perhaps give you a way to speak to the person involved or take matters into their own hands and then mediate between the two of you, have a discussion. Is there a misunderstanding? Is there another way we can negotiate a win-win so you feel like you're heard and you don't feel like you're being bullied? And then, and then make sure that they understand that there will be no retribution after. And that will look like, so a woman, someone comes and says, this is, they make a complaint. The, the management takes it serious. They make a complaint. They take the complaint. The person goes home, man or woman, because both are bullied. They come back to work the next day, and there is no fear of retribution. That's when you know that is a, that is a 100% safe place to work with. And that will take a lot of change. Sherry, I wish we had more time. Let's do this again. Lots of discussion and, and uh, break-off points uh, from this main discussion here. We appreciate everything you do, and, and thanks for sharing your time so generously with us. Thank you so much, and thanks for asking me. Have a great day. Sherry Podolchuk, thank you very much for joining us. Retired RCMP officer. She retired in 2009, and she is the author of Women Not Wanted, which details her experiences as a female officer and the difficulties she encountered with things like sexual harassment and discrimination. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett McGarry. He's Greg Mackling. Thanks to Behind the Glass, Jerry and Shanalee Vidal. And thank you for listening to CJOB.